Welcome to the Revo Podcast. Revo Church is one church in multiple locations with a vision to spark a revolution of life change through Jesus. We hope to accomplish this through our core values of love big, serve hard, live bold, grow deep, and move forward. For more information on our service times and locations, please visit our website at discoverrevo.com. Well, what's up, man? My name is Nathan. Lights. Boom. There it is. On command, it's like clap lights. Uh, thanks for hanging with us. If you want to see the rest of the video, come back next week and we'll play it again. Um, so, <laughs> hey, if you're watching online, man, we're thanks so much for hanging with us, people uh, all over the state. Uh, I heard we're streaming at Baptist Hospital today. Boom. What's up, Baptist? Uh, that's awesome. No big deal. Um, so, uh, man, thanks for celebrating with us and coming out, beginning your Christmas season with us. Uh, why, why do we do that? Like some of you, like probably some husbands were like, hey, babe, that is you. That woman up there, that's you. You need to calm down, uh, slow your roll on that. Uh, something happens for some of you crazy people. It happens right after um, October 31st, right after Halloween. You snap into the Christmas season. So y'all are crazy for that. But for the most part, uh, it happens to us uh, the day after Thanksgiving, right? Just something happens. It snaps in our minds like we're Christmas. We're all in. We're decorations. Uh, we're lights. We're inflatables in our front yard. We're Christmas trees. We're like planning, shopping, cooking, buying, wrapping, like the whole deal. I, I don't know why. Just something happens. It, it, it clicks in us. But and well, here's what's crazy about the Christmas season. It, it starts uh, like holly and jolly, right? Like right now, everybody's fired up about it. Um, but here's what's going to happen. Like we're, we're inviting friends over. We're celebrating. We're, we're sitting around the fire with family and friends drinking peppermint hot chocolate, even though that stuff is gross. I don't know why we do it. It's just like holidays. Um, and so that's how it starts. But I'm telling you, for most people, by the time the 26 rolls around, all of the holly and jolly is done. Like we are done with Christmas. We are sitting around by ourselves drinking other things. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> uh, no more, no more peppermint hot chocolate. Just trying to deal, just trying to survive this holiday season. So that's what we're going to do over these next few weeks. We're going to look at a Christmas survival guide. I want to help you get to the end of this month without being uh, absolutely maxed out maxed out physically and emotionally. I want to help you not to be maxed out financially. Uh, I want to I help set you up for success so that at the end of the month, you're not having to apologize to your wife or your husband. You're not having to apologize to your kids. You're not having to write your in-laws an apology note for bringing up the vaccine at the Christmas dinner, right? You know, like, I'm trying to help you. I'm gonna hook you up right here. Um, so survival guide, I don't want you to just survive the holidays. I think we can, we can actually thrive uh, during this season. And so I want to kick it off today, uh, right start on the first Sunday of December. And I want to challenge you with this idea right here. Uh, if you're listening today online in here, check this out. I don't want you to miss Christmas. Now, for some of you, that's really weird because uh, Christmas is the most celebrated holiday in the world. It's the most commercialized holiday in the United States. I mean, how in the world does anybody miss Christmas? Even if you don't celebrate Christmas, like you can't help but to, to see it. Every store you walk into, you all have those crazy neighbors that have mini tanglewood in their front yard with the lights and the inflatables. Like, I get it. Like, how in the world do you miss it at a time like this? But I'm not talking about missing the stuff around Christmas. 
Uh, You're not going to miss the presents and the wrapping paper and the food. You're not going to miss the families. Uh, You're not going to miss the inflatable Santa Claus in your front yard. You're you're not going to miss any of that. I'm talking about, is it possible that you and I can miss the real reason behind Christmas? And I would say not only is it it possible, uh, but from the very first Christmas until today, most people miss Christmas, totally miss it. So what would it look like for today, December the 5th? Not, not December the 24th, the day before Christmas, but today, what if we could focus on the real reason behind Christmas? What if we could get our minds and our hearts wrapped around that so that we don't totally miss it? I think uh, that will help you not, not just survive this next month, but thrive during this season if the very first Sunday of the month of December, we can get our minds focused on the right thing. So that's what I want to do today as we look at kicking off this series. Uh, I want to show you three different characters from the very first Christmas story that totally missed Christmas. And the interesting part is the three people missed it for three different reasons. And I think once we unpack it and and look at these people and how they missed the real reason behind Christmas, I I think you'll realize that, that you have probably missed Christmas in one of these three ways as well. One of them, if, if not all three of them in your life. So if you have your Bible or the app, you can pull it up. All the notes will be there. There's two chapters in the Bible where the Christmas story is, is, is popular and, and outlined and prevalent. One is in the book of Luke, uh, chapter one and chapter two. We're going to look at chapter two today and then flip to Matthew chapter two in a second. But I want to introduce you to three people at the first Christmas that missed the first Christmas. Starting in in Luke chapter 2, verse 1. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree, made this law that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While we were there, we, while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. I probably sounds familiar to you if you ever rolled with the Christmas story uh, before and you know what's going on. Um, but I want you to focus on some of the details that are happening here in this story. It's the details. Did you catch those? You see people's names. Um, you see locations. You see things going on. Historically speaking, this is one of the most documented stories in all of Scripture. And it's interesting because you probably run into people over the Christmas season that'll look at the story of Jesus and they'll say like, isn't that just a myth? Uh, isn't that just like allegory? Uh, isn't it just kind of like a parable? Like you don't really believe that there was this woman named Mary who gave birth and she was a virgin. You don't really believe that though. But the interesting thing about scripture is we see all of these details outlined that point to us that this is not a myth. You want to know how myths start? In a galaxy far, far away, this is what happened. Or once upon a time in a land far, far away. That's how myths start. They don't start with in this particular year, these people in this specific 
specific city. And you can go back historically speaking and say, is this who was in charge? Is this what was going on? Was there really a census? And is this how it unfolded in front of us? All of these details help to point us in the direction that this is not a made up story. This isn't just something that someone wrote down and said, man, this would be a great fairy tale. It's historically accurate how Jesus was born and how all of these details played out. So when you look at that, at the end of those seven verses, we're actually introduced to the first character. I don't know if you caught it. The first person in the Christmas story that totally missed Christmas. And it was this, if you're taking notes, jot this down. Maybe, maybe this was you. Uh, the first person that missed it was the innkeeper. The innkeeper missed the first Christmas because he was busy, too busy to understand what was going on in front of him. That verse seven says, that last phrase, he says, but, but Mary and Joseph went and they tried to get a room, but there was no room because there was no guest room for them in the inn. They ended up having the baby in a barn, in a cave, in a stable, wherever the animals were kept because there was no room for them in the inn. The innkeeper was the guy at Christmas, that's just a regular guy. The regular, everyday, ordinary guy who was so busy in his life that he missed what was going on right in front of him. Here's the story. Mary and Joseph, they walk 90 miles from Nazareth to Bethlehem because the government is having a, a census. They need to count everyone. And the way it worked is you had to go back to your hometown. So Mary and Joseph, Mary is plump. She's getting ready to give birth. Uh, so they go 90 miles. And, and when they get there, rough paraphrase, uh, Joseph stands in line at the DMV to fill out all these census. Like you can tell that was a pleasure for him to do. While he's in there, surprise, Mary's water breaks. Oh no. So what Joseph does is he runs straight to the first holiday inn and uh, gives you a little insight into why the song Silent Night is a part of the Christmas tale. Because when Mary found out that Joseph did not get an Airbnb before he got to Bethlehem, she gave him the cold shoulder the rest of the night. It was a silent night for Joseph. No room. In the end, he walks up to the holiday and knocks on the door, no room. In fact, there's not a single hotel. The government did a huge favor to all of the hotel, motel, and holiday inn owners in Bethlehem because everyone would have been maxed out. And if you are a hotel owner, the two greatest words in all of the English vocabulary is no vacancy. That means every one of your rooms is a paying room tonight. It means that even if you wanted to help somebody, sorry, every person is paying. Every room. Like I got people jammed in corners. I'm making money hand over fist. This innkeeper would have been so thrilled, so excited that he could flip that no vacancy sign on. I'm sure he might have felt bad for Mary and Joseph, but he's like, I got to be honest with you guys. I'm sorry I don't have a room because I'm making money. We are sold out. I love it. I already sent my staff home because we don't like we don't have anything to worry about. I, I don't even have to have anybody to man the front desk because we're not checking anybody else in. The rooms are absolutely filled. Here's the problem though. There was no guest room. That was the response from, from the innkeeper to Mary and Joseph. Here's the danger. Um, the, the innkeeper would have been thrilled at what was going on in his current situation yet had no idea what he was walking away from. He had no idea the opportunity that God was giving him in this moment. No idea that the Son of God, that Jesus Christ, was on his doorstep and that he was saying no room towards him. 
Think about the opportunity he missed. Think about if this innkeeper had had a room and made room for Jesus. Fast forward the clock, 33 and a half years. Jesus dies, raises from the dead. This innkeeper just hit the jackpot. I would print a big banner on the front of my hotel that said, Son of God, born here. Sleep in the same room as Jesus was born in. I'm telling you, this guy, his hotel would have been sold out every night for the rest of his life. People go to Bethlehem. Christians will travel to Bethlehem right now and pay tour guides to take them to the place that they think Jesus was born. They don't know. Like They're just making it up. They're just like, ah, this sounds about right. There's a hole in a cave. Great, there was an animal there one time. Here's where Jesus was born. Tourists, give me $50. Like if we had the exact building, If that innkeeper had just made room for Jesus, it would have changed his life. It would have changed his family's life for generations to come. To this day, 2,000 years ago, that room would be sold out every single night. Probably get double on Christmas night. But he missed it. Why? So busy. The Son of God knocks on the door. Oh man, sorry guys, we are completely full. In fact, like I just got a call, room 311, the toilet is is clogged. I'm getting ready to go up there and the the ice machine on the second floor is jammed and so people are wanting their ice right now, I can't do that. On floor number one, I got a guy who's locked out of his room and he's in his boxers right now and so he's too embarrassed to come to the front so I gotta let him in. Sorry, I know, I'm sorry. Man, girl, you look like you're about to pop. There's nothing, there's nothing I can do. I'm so busy. Have a good night, I, I gotta go handle it. Is that you? in the month of December? Is that you? Do you have so many parties and so many things to do with family? I mean, they're not even bad things, right? We've got to learn over the Christmas season that sometimes we have to say no to the good so that we can say yes to the best. The innkeeper should have said no to the good and saw what God wanted to do right in front of his very eyes, but he was too busy. You and I will have parties and family over and Right now, we've ordered stuff on Amazon and we're sweating over the tracking. Like, we don't know. Is it going to be here on time? Like, is it on some boat with the supply chain issue? Are we going to be able to get it? Or do I have enough boxes and tape and wrapping paper? And what are we going to eat? Most important question on Christmas. What are we going to eat? I mean, Jesus, second, but second is to eat. Like, what, what's for lunch? What are we going to do? How can I house all these people in my room? Do I need to buy an inflatable like air mattress for the den? Where are we going to put all these kids? Like, what is going on here? Who's coming over? What are we going to look like, like decorate the house or no? Is it going to be a big Christmas or a little Christmas? Like, what are we going to do? So busy that we can actually miss the opportunity of a lifetime like this innkeeper did here. He missed it because he was so busy. Are you making room for Jesus over these next few weeks? Or will your life say what verse six said and said, sorry, there's just no, no room. Just too busy, just got too much going on, just lost my focus and I'm thinking about other things, doing other things. Which one is it for you? The innkeeper missed the opportunity of a lifetime because his schedule and his calendar and his heart and his mind were too preoccupied with other things. What about you? Don't miss it. Don't be so busy like the innkeeper that you miss the opportunity that God has in front of you right now.
That was the first person that missed it. The second person, two people, were found in, in the book of Matthew. This is the other place in Scripture where we read uh, the Christmas narrative, the birth of Jesus. And so in Matthew chapter 2, Jesus is just born. And in verse 1, it says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi, wise men from the east, came to Jerusalem and they asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we've come to worship him. Well, when, when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all of Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he got all of the religious people together around him, he asked, where was the Messiah to be born? And here's what the religious people said. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Now, when the wise men came and told King Herod um, that, that he was going to, uh, that they were seeking out the king, King Herod came and got all of his religious advisors together and asked him a very specific question. Hey guys, do you know anything about a king being born? These three guys from from the east came and they're talking about some kind of star and some new king that was going to be born. And the religious people actually quoted a verse from the book of Micah. It's in the Old Testament. They said, oh yeah, we know exactly what you're talking about. That star? Yeah, that, that symbolizes that a new king is being born. And this is not just any king, this is King Jesus. This is the one God's son that, that God will send to save the whole world. Check this out. They had all of the information but none of the religious people were willing to walk across the street and visit the new king. It's the second group of people that missed it. Jot this down because this might be you and me in this story. Number two, the religious people missed Christmas because they were so familiar with it. They were too, too familiar with it. Even Christians can miss Christmas. Isn't that weird? <laughs> Like you could be sitting in these seats right now and totally miss Christmas. You could become so familiar with the story that the story begins to bore you. I know some people that are Christians that over these next few weeks, you're going to have the opportunity to worship with us on Sunday or even show up on Christmas Eve. And there'll be people that'll say, I already know what's going to happen. <laughs> I don't need to come. We can do brunch with the family or, or, or like we can just stay home and drink hot cocoa and, and, and watch Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer with the claymation. Like we can, we can just do, I already know what's going to happen. Do you know like one of the, one of the top three movies that have ever been produced, most uh, highest grossing movie, uh, I think number two is the movie Titanic. Undoubtedly a lot of people have seen the movie Titanic. It may come as a surprise to you that I, your boy, has never seen the movie Titanic. You want to know why I've never seen the movie Titanic? Because I already know what happens. Somebody told me the movie was four hours, and I was like, let me give you four hours back. The ship sinks. I don't need to spend four hours. I don't need to argue with you that there was room on the door for the guy to jump on at the end and still float. That's all I know about the movie, but I don't know why that's controversial, but I don't need to see it. The ship sinks. You know, there are Christians that are like, I don't need to see it. The baby's born. <laughs> I don't need to read it. 
I know what happens. The angels and the, the shepherds and the baby and the swaddling clothes and the, the wise men and the gold and the frankincense and CBD oil. And I get it, all of that. I, I understand. I know what's going to happen. I don't need to sing the songs. I don't need to go to church. I don't need to, to get in the building. I, I already know. And you can become so familiar with the Christmas story that it loses its awe. You don't care about it anymore. I know what happens in the end, so I, I, really, I really don't need to read it. That was the religious people. They knew, yeah, I can tell you the exact place. I can tell you the exact time. I can tell you why that star is up there. And even when the king asked them about it, even when the three wise men came from a long way away and they asked about this, this king, it, it didn't matter to them anymore. They were so familiar, they had the story memorized. And you and I can get so familiar with this story that it doesn't impress us anymore. We don't get amazed by it. We know what happens. In fact, I'll give you, give you a little, little insight. Like Christmas uh, time for a pastor is like a really stressful time because a lot of people come to church on Christmas and everybody that comes in the doors at Christmas is ready for the pastor to share the Christmas story in a new way that they've never heard before. And there, check this out. There's only so many ways you can spin this, right? There's only so many perspectives that you can tell it from. We've had 11 Christmases at Revo and like, I'm not working with a lot of material. Like it's stressed out because everybody wants, oh, hey, he better impress me. You better say something I've never heard before. Like you better come at it from an angle that I don't know. Man, what's he going to say this year? And some people haven't come to Revo since last Christmas. We call them Christers, Christmas and Easter. That's when they come. And so they're like, man, last time you got, <laughs> it's a loving term. Um, last <laughs> and last time, I, I know you said this about, it better be different. It better be new. It better be fresh. And it's the same story. And sometimes we miss it because we already know. I think it's very interesting in this story, as you read it in Matthew and in the book of Luke, there's not a single mention of a pastor at Jesus' birth. There are no religious people. There's no pastors. There's no rabbis. There's no priests. There's no Sadducees or Pharisees. There's nothing of any kind of religious sort. The people that knew the most information about a king being born are the ones that didn't even show up when the king was born. Why? I've heard that story before. I'm so familiar with it. I can recite it. I know it by memory, Micah 5.2. They shared the verse. Maybe the most interesting part of this is Jerusalem is uh, really close to Bethlehem. <laughs> If the religious people wanted to go and see Jesus, it wasn't like they had to spend a lot of money on a flight or a, a boat or a, a long walk. Bethlehem is five miles away from Jerusalem. And five miles away, these religious people wouldn't even walk that distance so that they could see the Son of God being born in a manger. Are you so familiar with the story about Jesus and his birth at Christmas that the newness has worn off, that it doesn't impress you anymore? that when you read this story, it just kind of glosses over and it's like, yeah, yeah, familiar with it. That's how you miss Christmas. That's how the religious people on the very first Christmas missed Christmas totally. Don't miss it. Come in here every day just saying, all right, God, I know I've heard the story before, but like soften my heart, give me these eyes and ears to see something fresh and new in a way that'll help me understand how amazing this opportunity is and the sacrifice that you gave of your son when he was born on Christmas.
There's one more person that missed it. It's actually in chapter 2 here. I want to reread verse 3. Uh, when these wise men come and, and show up to Jerusalem, um, there's, a, there's a new king that was born, right? So, so if you want to meet the new king, the person's house you go to is the current king. Because if there's a new king that was born, it's because the current king had a son. Like, that's how it works, right? So these wise men show up to King Herod's house, and they're like, yo, heard you had a baby, heard there was a new king born, we're here. Problem is, Herod hadn't had a baby, and in verse 3, it says, when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed. And all of Jerusalem with him. And if I lived in Jerusalem at the time, I would be disturbed as well. Because history tells us that King Herod was so jealous of his power. King Herod was so paranoid that one day someone would steal his kingship from him that he killed his wife and both of his sons so that he would have no one in his family that would be the rightful heir to the throne. He killed his own family just so that he could remain king. So you can imagine when strangers walk in and say, hey, we heard there's a new king in town. Herod would have gone crazy. And he calls all of these religious people together. See, the man that was born was not a son of Herod. And here's what snaps for Herod in his mind and in the people's mind. Some of your versions may have read it in verse 3, but Verse 3 shows that in number 3, King Herod missed Christmas because he was fearful. He was afraid. Whoa, what do, what do you mean, new king? What do you mean Christmas is all about this Jesus guy, this new baby that was born? Like that, that's, We're not going to play that game. No, I'm the king. There's not going to be a king. And I doubt that any of you are worried that if Jesus showed up here today, he would take the crown off of your head or somehow take all of your wealth or all of your authority. I don't, I don't say that. But there are people that do not want Jesus to be at the center of Christmas because they are fearful of what that might mean for them. They are, are fearful because if Jesus is the center of my life, then does that mean I lose my freedoms? Does that mean like my life has to be about him and submitting to his authority and obeying him? Like, I don't want to obey anybody. I want to live my life however I want to. And if Jesus is in the middle of it, if, if Jesus is the real reason for the season, does that mean that, that now my, my life and my marriage and my finances and my time and my calendar, does all that have to change now? I'm kind of enjoying this life when it's all about me. And I'm the only one that matters and I'm self-centered and self-focused. Herod was afraid that those things would come into play. For, for some people, it, it means uh, they, they think that Jesus being in the middle of their life and the center of their life means all of a sudden you can't have any fun anymore, right? It isn't like Christianity all about rules and what you can't do and what you're not supposed to do and God will get mad and pop you with a lightning bolt if you do something wrong. Like, I don't want that. I just want to have fun. I want to do whatever I want to do, be with whoever I want to be. Like, just have that fun in my life. And people like that just don't understand that the plan that God has for their life is so much better than the plan that they have for their own. There's a lot of reasons why we can be fearful, but for King Herod, that's why he missed it. He didn't realize what was right in front of him because he was scared of what he might lose if he decided that Jesus was the center of Christmas, that Jesus was the real reason for all of this that he was going through. So I don't want you to miss it. I don't want you to miss it for any reason. Maybe your tendency is just to pack your schedule and you're going to totally miss it. 
Um, maybe the reason is that you're just so familiar that you're like, ah, yeah, Christmas. Uh, I already know what happens in the manger. Like, I, I just got to make sure I get these presents. <laughs> I just got to make sure I coordinate the, the family coming in and get this menu locked down because I want it to be a good Christmas. Jesus, like, uh, we'll worry about that later. Or maybe just out of fear, but here's what I want to do. I'm going to give you a few real practical ideas and ways that, that you can keep from missing Christmas this year. Here's the first challenge that I want to give for you. I want you to commit that every Sunday in the month of December, you're going to come hang out with us here because we're going to talk about Jesus. We're going to focus on Jesus. We're going to sing about Jesus and talk about Jesus and tell the story of Christmas, hopefully in a new, a fresh way. And that's one way that in the hustle and bustle and everything else that's on your mind and on your schedule, if you'll prioritize that, we can begin to focus, not, not on Christmas Eve, but right now on the 5th, with still 20 more days until Christmas. We can begin to focus now on what this season is really all about. Here's another challenge for you. If, if you wanna get your mind and heart focused in the right direction, I wanna challenge you to serve somebody in the next 20 days. In our world, it's, it's all about us. My presence, my family, my house, my decorations, my money, my schedule, my calendar, my time, my hopes, my dreams, my lists, and my gifts. What if you flip that? and you put others in front of yourself? What if you looked, not just here in the church, but opportunities all over the city to meet a need, to put someone else in front of you? That's what God did when he sent his son Jesus to the world. He put you first in his love and his desire for you. Here's a, here's a third one. Um, I want you to come to Christmas Eve with us, any one of our campuses, and I want you to bring somebody with you. Please do not come alone on Christmas Eve. Did you know that Christmas Eve is the number one time in all of the year where non-church people and non-Christians will attend church? So that friend, that neighbor, that coworker of yours that you've invited and asked before and they've constantly said no, 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 they're most likely to say yes to an invite to church on Christmas Eve. In fact, stats tell us that, that families that are not involved in a church are actually planning right now. They're just looking at like, what church are we going to go to? And what if they had a friend, a coworker, a neighbor, a family member that was involved in a church and just said, hey, come with me. I'll meet you outside. Family will sit together. It's one hour. Let's just spend it together on Christmas Eve. So come on Christmas Eve, but don't come alone. Fourth thing you can do, really easy. Jordan mentioned in the announcements, we have bags at the back uh, on our connection bar. It's got everything you need to throw a birthday party for Jesus. It's a cake, it's icing, it's candles. Most of you have some kids in your life. Maybe it's sons and daughters, maybe it's grandkids, maybe it's nieces and nephews. Why don't you make Jesus a part of your Christmas day celebration? Like bake a cake, ice it, like bake it with the kids. Let them do it however they want to and put candles in it and sing happy birthday to Jesus and blow it out. Come on, man, everybody loves cake. Not just fat kids, everybody loves cake. So sign up for your family. Say, hey, you know what? This year at Christmas, I'm gonna take care of the, the dessert, all right? I'm gonna bring the dessert and bring a birthday cake for Jesus and take that time to get people focused on the real reason for the season. Be generous is the fifth way. Man, this season, again, this world is all about, I gotta buy presents for me, for my family. I gotta do things that are gonna help me. I'm gonna spend my money. Please don't max yourself out financially over this season. Why don't you try being generous? Why don't you try seeing a need and meeting a need? Why don't you try to live open-handed 
so that you don't miss what this season is really all about. If we could get our focus on Jesus right now, I'm telling you, these next 20 days, I'm not talking about just surviving, I'm talking about thriving. I'm talking about remembering why we're here, remembering why we celebrate all the decorations, all the presents, Santa Claus, do it, man, do all of it. But don't forget that Jesus is the reason. Don't forget that our focus is on why God sent his son to the earth. And that is because he loved you and he loved me. And that there would be only one way that you and I could have a relationship with God. And that would be through his son, Jesus. 2,000 years ago, Mary, Joseph, the angels, the shepherd, the wise men, Herod, the innkeeper, hark the herald angels sing, the big star, the three gifts, all of it was used to point people to Jesus. Let's keep the main thing the main thing. Let's learn to say no to the good things so that we can say yes to the best things. Focus on Jesus right now. Let me pray for you. God, thanks for these stories. Even the people that we learn what not to do from when the Christmas season rolls around. That's so much truth, so many missed opportunities, so many times people didn't realize what was right in front of them, the gift that they had right in front of them. God, help us to not be those people that miss it. Teach us to, to focus, to prioritize, to set our minds and our hearts on the right thing so that we can not just get through this season, but use this season as a way to grow closer to you and help other people find and follow you at this incredible time of the year. God, give us the boldness to proclaim that message, that news, that invitation to any that would hear it. And uh, we will give you the credit and the honor when people's lives are changed. I pray and ask those things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Revo Podcast. We believe everyone has a next step to take in their relationship with Jesus. If you would like more information on what that means for you, or if you have any questions about today's message, please email us at info at discoverrevo.com.